everyone. It's Miss Minutes. Spoiler alert for the rest of the episode. Today, we're talking about how Loki is great, how Lady Loki definitely isn't actually Loki, and how the executives at DC Comics are selfish virgins. It's the Infinity Watch Podcast! Oh man, I love me some Miss Minutes. Let me tell you, every, every every single episode. I mean, we've only done two. Um, I just love her more and more, and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, she's one of my favorites. Oh my goodness! Welcome to the Infinity Watch podcast. <laughs> my name is Tommy, and I'm here with my Dolly Parton esque co-host Eric. <laughs> Dude, Dolly's the goat. I'm happy for that comparison. Oh yeah, I mean anyone anyone getting compared to her is no bad no bad blood there. That's for, <laughs> for sure. sure. Welcome to the Infinity Watch podcast. We are in episode twenty two, talking about episode two of Loki, titled "The Variant." Um, mm. You know, I started uh, I started looking on Amazon because um, Marvel's had a lot of co- like a lot of stuff that they've been selling for all these shows, and I just searched Miss Minutes, and you can get a Miss Minutes clock now. Twenty eight ninety nine. What? Um, I actually sent it to our our friend of the podcast, Kate, who's been a, a guest several times. She said it looked ugly, but oh, I actually no. think it looks really cool. So, where on Amazon? You just search Marvel Miss Minutes clock. Shit, I might have to pick one of those up. So yeah, it's like a little Miss Minutes, and then on top it says "For all time, always." Oh um, man, looks super cool. So. I hope they get more merch as time goes on because their uh, their merchandising department's been pretty good. I bought some stuff from WandaVision um, that I really like, so super cool. Um, so before we jump into Loki episode two, which I think we have a lot to talk about this yeah, week, oh yeah, um, let's go through news because a lot has happened uh, since we last talked. So I'm going to start it off this week. Um, the embargo on Black Widow social media posts has been lifted. Oh. And so a lot of people's reviews are kind of coming in, and I want to read three of them. I chose three of them um, just to kind of get a little taste. I don't can, think there's really too much uh, spoilery stuff in here, but uh, if you're can, worried about that, then uh, too bad. Um, can I just say, I think the fact that I did not even know this <laughs> probably doesn't bode super well. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm. It's going to be an interesting episode for fans of the podcast when we get to this movie because I feel like there's lots of feelings uh, that kind of go both ways. Uh, yeah. For well, Eric let's see. I. I mean, what are the what are the so maybe I'm wrong. What are the social media posts reveal? All right, so I'm going to do the first one, which is from Brandon Davis. Um, and he says the development of characters not named Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, or Thor in phase four of the MCU has been great. First Wanda and Vision, then Sam and Bucky, Loki is in the process. Black Widow keeps that up really nicely. So mm-hmm. positive there. Nothing too crazy, but positive, so that's good. Uh next is Eric Davis. He says Marvel movies are back. Black Widow is a tense, action-packed spy thriller. That truly completes Natasha's story in a visceral and emotional way. Florence Pugh crushes it, in all caps. 
and is an instant MCU icon. This is like the MCU's Bond movie with shades of Mission Impossible and Thelma and Louise, which I was happy about because I don't know if we'll ever get a James Bond movie ever again if they keep delaying this movie. True. Sounds exciting. True. So that one sounded pretty good. Um, And I think this last one I'll do... um, Actually, I'll do two more, maybe. Uh, This one's from Perry Nemiroff. She says, Doug Black Widow a great deal. Uh, Was kind of worried about watching this movie unfold, knowing what's to come in Endgame, that it might diminish the stakes. But that wasn't the case. In fact, this was the kind of prequel story that feels bound to enhance other installments of the MCU. So I kind of like that one, because I feel like that's where we're at a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I am... uh... I'm inferring from all of those that this movie is 100% fine. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. I feel like they'd be way more hype if it was like really, really good. So here's one. Here's the last one that I chose for you because this one's going (laughs) to. I'm just going to say it and I want you to react to it. But let let me get through it here. Black Widow is so disappointing. Scarlett Johansson tries, but the script, pacing, and poor character development sink the film. Starts off promising, but by the second act becomes a disjointed and uneven mess. Generic, uninspired, and ultimately lacking the Marvel magic. Ooh. Hmm. That is concerning. However, in its defense, I personally find... and. So I personally find I don't think Marvel movies really ever have a problem with pacing for me. So I would be very surprised if this one that jumped out at me. Yeah, this um, guy only has like 12,000 followers. So like, who are you even, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, it's certainly a concern. <laughs> so no he doubt. was like the one person that didn't really like it. Um that said anything even close to that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. Maybe he's trying to get some clicks. I I feel like, I don't think it'll be as bad as that guy seems to describe it to be. Um, No, I I, I don't even think that. I think it'll probably be better than that. Yeah. No, yeah, which is crazy. There is one that was a little spoilery. um, Cause I guess like, I don't know, is it, is it super in spoiler alert? Is it super like, I don't know if everyone knows that the Yelena character is basically going to become black widow, right? Yes. That's Florence Pugh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That seems obvious. Cause yeah, the first person says black widow shows exactly why Natasha Romanoff was the glue that held the Avengers together, which I think is bullshit. Um, Shades (laughs) of John wick fight scenes and inventive action sequences wrapped in a heartfelt and poignant story about family and how the world treats girls excited to see Yelena carry the torch. I'm that I am excited about. Like I'm saying, I feel like this might be the first true. Well, no, I guess captain America is the first true passing of the torch, but for some reason, it feels uh, it, it, it's not it's it's not quite as one to one because it's like Steve had the super soldier serum. Uh, well, and Bucky was, or uh, or Sam was in multiple movies. Like this is the first movie we get with her. True, true. But I mean, just from a sheer, it's like there are so many differences between Steve and Sam, whereas Natasha and what's her name, Yelna. Yelna, yep. It, it seems like it's like secret agent spy. Here, you're the new secret agent spy. 
wipe your hands of it. Like we're you're good. the new twenty five year old like model that we're gonna let be Black Widow. Kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. right, right. But yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm stoked for that. I they gotta make that happen at some point, and it's uh, gotta be now. <laughs> so hopefully, it's yeah. Good. We're what we're like three weeks away ish, kind of something something along those lines. Yeah, I think. something like that. that sounds um, right. So. It's finally at least happening, and we don't have to have like this long drawn out period where we don't know if movies are happening anymore. I think, I think Hollywood is slowly but surely kind of clicking into motion and getting the gears rolling and everything. So I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. All righty, next up, um, Jonathan Majors, the actor, is going to be playing Kang the Conqueror in the third Ant-Man movie, which is titled Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And he was having an interview with Variety magazine, and he was talking about Marvel Studios. He said they're they're like, they're Greek, they're the size of them, the things that they're dealing with, the idea of fate and fantasy and the future and legacy. You know, he's just basically kind of saying stuff about how big the movies are. Um, and so basically, at one point, uh, he was asked about the rumors that Kang would debut in Loki, um, you know, with his relation to time travel and the time variance authority, a lot of people think one of the timekeepers looks just like him. Um, and he was asked if those were true. And all he responded was, I have no idea what you're talking about. No blinks, no nothing. So, <laughs> so that sounds like a confirmation sure. to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, I, the, wait, that doesn't surprise me at all. I really, okay. So here's, here's my problem is that I feel like if he doesn't show up, I'm going to be really disappointed like the, uh, you know, the, the previous series when we thought someone big was going to show up. Yeah, so. yeah, I think, and we'll get into it in a bit, but I think I'm so far enjoying this series such an absurd amount that I trust if he doesn't make an appearance, I trust that it'll be good enough for me to not be bummed. But but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I think at there's, least with this show, you know, because I I keep saying like I was like, there's no way there's going to be like another Mephisto moment. But every <laughs> Dude, single there's going to be one every show. Every show has a Mephisto <laughs> moment within like two episodes. But at least in this one, it makes complete sense. Yes, totally. Like there's no way you could have all this shit going on and he's has nothing to do with it. Especially since he's going like. If he wasn't going to appear in a future movie, then fine. I get it. Like, he doesn't have to be part of it. But he is. And so it just, you know, it doesn't make sense. Yep. So we'll see. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, Marvel's What If. There's a lot of stuff coming out about this show that comes out in the next couple months. One of the episodes um, will be basically T'Challa becoming Star-Lord. And so our our very close friends over at the Illuminati shared some details uh, on how the character will be depicted in this show. And, and they said T'Challa will not only take on the moniker of Star-Lord, he will also be leading the Ravagers, who in this version are reformed criminals on galactic adventures. Um, oh, okay. So that should be an interesting episode. Once again, super excited about this show. I love like kind of when we twist the reality on things. So it'll also probably be kind of Fucked up in a way because I think this is probably the last time we'll see uh, or at least hear Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. Yeah, um, which is it's going to be a tough one. It will be sad. 
excited to see it nonetheless. For sure. All right. This next thing, Eric, I think we both know <laughs> what we have to talk about in the news this week. <laughs> there was some sobering, sobering news that yeah. took over the internet for a while. Devastating, really. There is the TV show on HBO Max that is about Harley Quinn, and it is a rated R show. Yep. And basically, and it's super good, um, by the way. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's very good, really funny. Absolutely. Um, one of the creators, Justin Halpern, um, was in an interview and he was praising DC Comics and DC Entertainment for allowing them to push the boundaries, you know, that you typically would see in an animated show. Um, and he says, it's incredibly gratifying and free to be using characters that are considered villains because you just have so much more leeway. And um, at some point, he basically, him and his other co-creator, uh, Patrick Shoemaker, they learned that they aren't granted quite as much creative freedom as they would like. Um, and so this is a quote from from an interview. He says, a perfect example of that is in the third season of Harley, when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman and DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't do that. And so we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? And they were like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. How? First of all, what kind of... There's zero correlation. First of all, literally zero correlation there. Um, I mean, this is insane. This is maybe the most out-of-touch embarrassing like self-own you could ever do if you're if you're a dc executive um do you think any of the dc executives have ever performed oral sex on a woman i don't no no i'm gonna go with a solid no on that one on my no definitely not definitely not do you think any of them know the female orgasm exists? <laughs> no, for sure not. For sure not. No, they're 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 chilling over there with Ben Shapiro repping the dry ass pussies for sure. <laughs> for sure. Absolute fucking losers. Oh all my of them. gosh. This uh, ah, and it's like clearly I was not the only one. So I saw this and immediately said, I was like, we got to talk to you about it. And then it continued to be viral for the next like three days. So clearly I was not the only one annoyed by this. Yeah. Even, uh, you know, justice league director, Zack Snyder, he posted a picture on Twitter that just says Canon and it is Batman in full suit going down (laughs) on Catwoman. Yeah. It's it's quite a nice photo. It has over 300,000 likes. Um, and and 10,000 quote uh, retweets and and replies. So (laughs) it got a lot of attention. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's even like canonically, there's absolutely no way uh, playboy billionaire philanthropist, philanthropist Bruce Wayne is not going down on women left and right. Like that is happening in universe for sure. Whether DC execs, want to believe that or not i do love just like the world like uh, justin halpern shout out to him and and his co-creator patrick shoemaker like i love how the executive said something 
And their response was, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? <laughs> because I feel like yes. it's just like, you know, the executives felt really awkward about it. And yeah. like, they're just like, well, we're just going to keep pushing this even further. And yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that clearly is, is what they're implying or that, uh, you know, that's somehow because how many just straight up just like quote unquote normal sex scenes do Batman and Catwoman have? Because it's definitely more than zero. I would yeah. bet my fucking life on it. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. So what's the difference? <clears throat> what specifically is so taboo in those fucking virgins eyes? Like, I just I do. It's truly astounding. Selena. Truly astounding. Do you know why my mask looks this way? <laughs> if I was Spider-Man, I wouldn't be able to go down on you at any moment. Let's oh. pay some attention to that kitty. <laughs> Robin, get out of here. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. oh man. Just the opportunities are endless. Yeah. I yeah. do love also, though, that Batman's mask... Does not obstruct his mouth for no. doing true justice no. to the bits. It is perfect for providing oral. There's oh my gosh. no this is question. amazing. I just love this whole conversation. I love that there's a conversation about this happening across the world. Well, and what's so ironic is it's their own fault. If this would have just right. been a scene in the show, people probably would have took it as the one-off joke it was and like moved as just a scene. And uh, but now it's yeah, it's, it's the Barbara Streisand effect in full force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always pay more attention to something that people don't want you to see. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely fucking nuts. Let Batman eat pussy. <laughs> that's what, that's what I say. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's 100%. what I say for sure. It's not like you know, like most of the world is not doing it. You know, <laughs> right. that's just uh, who the hell. That's just a society for you. Yeah, like we don't. <laughs> we're very close to a step too far, I think. But who the fuck does not do that? Right. Other than exactly. DJ Khaled, who's the biggest bitch in the world? Yep. Like, ugh. I don't get it. It's so stupid. It is. It is. But I'm glad we get to talk about it. Yeah, true. It's fun to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Also, DC, grow up. Yeah. Seriously. And you know what? Reciprocate, everybody. That's my recommendation for this week. Don't be selfish lovers, guys. That's right. That's the the lesson for this week. Hey, hey, y'all. It's Chris Minnis with a special announcement. Don't be selfish lovers. Thank you, Miss Minutes. <laughs> Anytime. Oh my goodness. All right. Speaking of uh of of being a bitch, um, let's talk about Morbius. Um oh, Sony God. had to issue a statement because uh the actor Tyrese Gibbons was claiming a few things that weren't accurate. Basically, <laughs> what? um Tyrese Gibbons claimed <laughs> that Morbius took place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He said, quote, they they pushed Morbius to October because they want to take advantage of that Halloween energy. So it's going to be a long year and a lot of magic happening out there. And he also said that it was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So what is Tyrese's involvement with the movie? Um, Let's see. What does he play? He He's plays Simon Stroud, a character we will 
uh, we know will likely clash with the living vampire at some point. Um, it says a glimpse at the FBI agent in the trailer confirmed he has a robotic and likely superpowered arm. So they're ripping off of uh, Mortal Kombat a bit there. I think. You know? When you say Gibbons, do you mean Gibson? Oh, did I say Gibbons? I meant Gibson. Okay, yeah, okay, Gibson. okay. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> My bad. Too much reading no, no, here. No. Um, so apparently, GameSpot. You know, because we needed we needed to uh, reach out. You know, if anyone's going to reach out to Sony, it's GameSpot. <laughs> yeah, our reliable friends over there. Um, and and they were told that the movie is still set to be released in January 2022 as planned. So not October, as Tyrese was claiming. And. Uh, while it was also confirmed that Mobius or Morbius is part of the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, it is not part of the MCU. So, <laughs> yeah, I think Tyrese he is riding higher than high on the Fast and Furious success, and I don't think he gives a single fuck. So I think he just is saying whatever, and he doesn't care at all. Yeah, and probably has no idea, like. Yeah, probably I think, not. You know, reading about um, um, Owen Wilson, it, you know, it's just, I feel like there's a lot more actors, especially that don't really understand these universes too much. Totally. Um, and they're just like, yeah, it's part of the MCU. And it's, you know, they have no idea what the hell they're even saying. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out our Twitter. Um, been pretty active lately on just staying up with the news if you want to, you know, see it day by day. Because uh, this broke, I think, a few days ago. <laughs> to our response to it was just, no thanks. Um, <laughs> definitely don't want it. So, um, okay, moving on here, we also got some more Sony stuff I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, and Spider Man No Way Home. Obviously, you know the series that we're watching right now really ties into a lot of the multiversal stuff that we think might happen in this movie. And there's talk of characters that have either died or, uh, you know, uh, we haven't seen in a while in in the old Sony Spider-Man movies showing up in this new movie. Um, And I think the concept of variants and other multiverses makes that more and more possible um, in how they're able to show up. And so I guess uh, uh, the actor Willem Dafoe, who played Green Goblin uh, in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, he was asked about his upcoming projects when he was recently talking uh, with Collider, and to which all he said was, the other things that I've been doing lately, I'd prefer to wait until we're ready for them to come out. So, very vague, um, mm. but I, I 100% now, I'm of the of the thinking that we are getting a Sinister Six in this movie, and it's going to include a lot of the, the old characters from the older spider-man movies in some way and i hope that comes true because it seems like a really fun idea yeah i definitely hope it comes true i don't i just never know what to think i'm just so skeptical it seems too crazy it just seems too crazy despite all the evidence it just seems too crazy yeah i love it though i want i'm just i'm just yeah same i'm just going with the crazy at this point i'm just like you know what I still think it's so weird because there's a lot of these actors that are playing really coy and when, when they really wouldn't have to, if they weren't doing something, but then Alfred Molina was like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing Dr. <laughs> Octopus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt self-conscious cause I'm like a little fatter now. <laughs> he was just like full on talking about it. So um, we'll see who knows. 
Um, it's worth noting um, for those that have ever watched the Hot Ones series, um, uh, or no, Hot Ones on on First We Feast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a YouTube series, and also which, HBO uh, Max. Fun fact: It's also on HBO Max. Is yeah, you can watch them episode by episode. Oh dang, that's awesome! Yeah, um, it's a great show in which uh, Sean Evans basically interviews celebrities while they eat uh, ten chicken wings that get progressively hotter and hotter. And so yesterday's uh, new episode features Elizabeth Olsen, and it is very good. Highly recommend uh, watching it if you're a fan of WandaVision. Does she? Um, I know Scarlet this is Witch. kind of a spoiler, but does she make it to the end? Dude, she like fucking eats those wings like it's no big deal. <laughs> Let's go. That's awesome. <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen someone just like she's just like, oh, yeah, this one hits a little different. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Gordon Ramsay was like crying at this point. That's the best. Yeah, no, it was really good, and she's like such an interesting person. I, I really, I really like her as an actress. She's super cool. I mean, you'd have to be growing up, essentially in the shadow of the Olsen twins. The, they were like people really forget what an absolute fucking phenomenon they were back in the day. Oh yeah, for like sure. I can't imagine yes. what it would be like growing up in that family, and coming up even coming out even kind of normal. Right, and then like you're super talented as well, and right. like, you just live up to the hype. Yeah, because her acting in in WandaVision, incredible, still to this day. Yeah, absolutely yeah. incredible. All right, um, I think one last thing that I have here is actually another uh, another. Sony Wait, did thing you have something I, left I, to say on the on the hot ones, or just that she was on there? I just wanted to say that she's on there. I highly just recommend people watch it. That um, was one of my recommendations for this week also, but nice. I just wanted to throw it out at the beginning. Um, nothing really spoilery, um, I would say, but um, just a good episode. I didn't want to spoil it too much. Okay, yeah, yeah. All righty. Um, my last item, just because I just wanted to see what your thoughts were here. Mm. Um, so there's going to be a Craven the Hunter solo movie. With Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter. So, talented actor. Yeah. And it's looking like he will reportedly face off against the Spider-Man villain Chameleon in the movie. <laughs> and I just don't understand. <sighs> I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand these Sony movies. Yeah, it's just With just Sony all the villains Sony. in it. <laughs> yeah. Technically, I think in the comics they are related i think they're half brothers oh okay um, so, all right so all maybe right, all right, that's right. kind of the thought process there yeah. but um to me i just think spider-man and batman uh are both like the winners of the rogues gallery yeah no question and they have really good villains that really work really well you know in dichotomy to the hero and i just i don't know maybe these movies will be okay uh, i don't think they will but um <laughs> Without the hero there, it just seems a little strange to me. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Although, I am very interested to see what kind of Craven the Hunter Aaron Taylor Johnson's going to be. I imagine it's going to be crazy over the top, uh, which I will enjoy. Yeah, oh yeah, and he's like an amazing actor. Yeah, he's really good. Absolutely amazing actor. So, like, I have no doubt that, like, he'll make the best of whatever is given to him. I just don't think whatever is given to him will be good so. <laughs> yeah mm. <laughs> all righty any anything else on your side my friend 
Yeah, it's actually not Star Wars, but I just want to bring people's attention to the fact that uh, last weekend and early last week, uh, it was E3, which is a big video game conference. And during it, they announced what looks to me to be a pretty intriguing looking Guardians of the Galaxy single player story focused game. Um, which is kind of mind blowing because the last, uh, the last uh, Marvel game that came out was by all accounts, a pretty terrible, um, Avengers. Oh yeah. God, that square Enix game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this next one is square Enix, but it seems like they have learned this one. You play as one character, Peter Quill, while the guardians, like support you basically it's only single player no multiplayer and it's just like a story driven game which for me is uh big time my preference for these kinds of games and it looks cool like the like the the trailer for it the dialogue's good uh all the characterization seems correct the characters like it takes a second to get used to the characters not looking like Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana, but right. that's just how it goes. Like, you're just going to have to get used to that. I know people are upset about it, but they're not going to pay whatever absurd amount it costs to use their likeness and potentially their voices. That's never going to happen. They're just going to look different, but it's fine. They look different in the comics all the time. They look different in the, in the cartoons. It's fine. But it looks, I think it looks pretty good. I'm really excited for it. I never played the Avengers game, but as of now, I will definitely be playing this Guardians game. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about just, you know, seeing some Marvel stuff in video games and hoping that it's good. Yeah. Because um, I know that that Avengers game, like, fell really flat with yeah. people. Um, I just, it, it seems like now with video games, it's a lot harder to have kind of the quote-unquote movie tie-in games that are actually good. Um, yes, it seems like, you know, like back in the day, I remember there was like a Lord of the Rings game that came out. It was fucking unbelievable. Um, you know, and tying into like the two towers or something, it's, those just don't really happen too much anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I really hope that they can have a win here and, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly like the movies. It's just, yeah, just make it good. Yeah. That's all (laughs) we need. That's all we need. It's that simple. So (laughs) super exciting stuff. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, my friend, are we ready to jump into Loki episode two? Oh, yeah. All right, let's start this off. Loki episode two, titled The Variant. And I want to start kind of our, our thinking off uh, by one of the tweets from, from one of the friends of the podcast, uh, Clay Scarface on Twitter. He said, haven't watched episode two yet, but calling it now, most of the TVA are robots. That was Chekhov's metal detector oh, in episode one. Oh, what a theory. Yeah. I, I just want to think about that as we go through things, and, and we'll talk about it kind of in theories as we bounce through things in chronological order. But uh, just, yeah, just the concept of all these TVA people being created by the timekeepers. I just want to keep that in the back of your head um, and just kind of let it gestate there for a bit, you know, because mm. to me, something's not exactly adding up there either. Agreed. I may have some evidence to the contrary, but we'll uh, Ooh, we'll get to me it. too. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, OK, so we open up in kind of a tease. Um, obviously, in the last episode, we were jumping around time. So we open up on what looks like a Renaissance period 
uh, you know, gathering. But we quickly realize that this is not a a Renaissance period time. It is a Renaissance festival in <laughs> yeah. Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Shout out! Support your local local Renaissance festival. They're always super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is, I believe, it was in the eighties. I forgot to write down the year. Um, but it's yeah, it was a Renaissance festival that was going on. And it opens up, this totally made me double take. And I think a lot of people on the internet too, this girl is like kind of upset that the people in the TVA aren't dressed up in the time period. Yeah. She goes, some of us really need this, you know? <laughs> that made and me she, laugh. She looks exactly like Agatha Harkness. Oh, shit. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that from what it I It was remember. like uncanny. I like stopped <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wait, was that Agatha? Because like, like it looked just like her. <laughs> I think it's a complete coincidence, but it totally like stop me for a second um because i was like maybe she misses being a witch and so she goes to renaissance yeah, festivals maybe. to feel at home i don't know but basically the, the Minutemen are there and um they're trying to chase after the variant loki that's been kind of fucking around with time and so basically this is the first time we've we've seen kind of the variant loki interact with the Minutemen. um as they're walking around um you see kind of a hand come up and the variant, I'm just going to call it the variant. Yeah, yeah. The variant takes control of the mind of one of the Minutemen named C20, which mm. is, a, it was like, she's kind of like a younger woman. Um, and at that point, you kind of see it, it kind of looked like the Mind Stone in a, in a sense, only it was green instead of blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically C20 just goes around and starts like beating the shit out of the other Minutemen and killing them. Um, Two an epic 80s soundtrack yeah, of, I need a hero uh, yeah. I need a hero I've been hearing that song so much in the last few weeks yeah it was like used in another trailer up. very recently I don't remember which one but it was it was a great sequence yes um, and super weird it's just super weird seeing the one minute man or minute woman I suppose kind of attacking and killing all the other ones um but the interesting thing here is, you know, you see the the bomb, the reset charge bombs kind of picked up by the variant. And then uh, the variant knocks out C-20 and takes uh, takes her with him when leaving. And so it was just very interesting because we've seen the variant basically, you know, kill all these Minutemen before. And I think this is the first time that there's been a hostage that's been taken. So kind of a big question mark there. Yes. Um, I mean, I loved everything about this scene. My hype level was extremely high. I am very... So So with me, using any 80s song in any sequence is extremely hit or miss. There's a really good chance I'm going to fucking hate that. Uh, yeah. But this show executed it, in my opinion, to perfection. The vibe just worked. A couple things I noticed in this episode, starting with this scene, is it seemed like just like the cinematography in this episode was like fantastic. Like it was it seemed so engaging. And then the other thing in this episode, and this was the first episode out of any of the Marvel shows that Are you going to say the same thing I was about to say? I think you are. The Keep going. music and soundtrack in general yes. throughout the whole episode. What the fuck? They went so hard the whole episode. This was like one of the first, I think outside of maybe Infinity War and Endgame, because I really like the music in those as well. 
where like the musical motifs and just like the the music itself was so good. So fucking good. Just felt like it was on a whole nother level. Cause to yes. me, that was like the last 10 years. There's one thing I wish we could improve upon in the MCU is the music. Yes. And this was like the first time I was like, this is what I wanted. <laughs> this is so good. And you know, like when, when, you know, there was stuff talking about Ragnarok and things like that. The motifs from Ragnarok came in there. I was like, oh holy my. shit, I actually like recognize this motif. Yeah. Which is crazy because I would have never in my head like been able to sing it out loud. Kind of right. Um, Dude, there is. Yeah, it, it was amazing. We will get to it. But the final, the music in the final scene and the cinematography in the final scene. Oh, so good. This is this so is also let's good. we'll have checkpoint reminders here of just how much better this was than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh my God. Not even in the same universe. Not even in the same timeline. So I see a lot of people. Yeah, I love that comment right there. I see a lot of people. They're like, with every new Marvel series that comes out, everyone starts shitting on the last one. I was like, listen, I fucking love WandaVision. Yeah. Uh, But Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even when it came out, I was not a super big fan of it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's parts of it that I loved, but overall the show was not that good. Undeniably just, the weakest of the three. Yeah, just like average. Um, pacing was so weird. The story was weird. This show, oh my gosh, Dude. just firing on all cil- <laughs> yeah. cylinders. It's amazing. Yeah, this is, I, I, you definitely get the distinct impression that Falcon and the Winter Soldier it seems like they threw the B team on that one and they they fucking use the A team on Loki. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah sure. and you know what this just makes me feel even better knowing that this guy uh was on the writing team for dr strange in the multiverse yes of oh my god like the entire time i'm like yes okay like this guy knows what the fuck he's clearly, doing clearly like, so clearly all right so um i'll just say up front a lot of this episode is really just kind of like time period tva time period tva and so as we go through it you'll hear tva a lot um so we're basically back in the office loki seems to have his own desk now um and kind of a a holographic slash somewhat sentient little miss minutes is teaching loki and testing him about nexus events and you know timelines and whatever um and there's some kind of back and forth banter and he starts like swatting her like a fly um <laughs> To which she jumps back into the computer where she came from, I guess. But I love Miss Minutes. Um, I love little characters like that. Super fun. Um, And basically, after a few like kind of expositional conversations about how Nexus events work, it seems like the writing staff really wants us to understand, you know, Nexus events and and how all these things function. And so I suppose that's good. Um, But very quickly, Loki, Mobius, and the Minutemen head back to Wisconsin uh, right after the Minutemen are attacked to investigate what the variant did. Mm. Um, Prior to them leaving, they kind of have a quick talk. Mobius was going to just like give Loki knives. I think in this scene. No, no, that was later. That's later. That's later. That's That's later. Okay, never mind. Um, So we'll get to that. But basically Mobius at some point, he's like, we're looking for a Loki variant. And it'll look like, you know, uh, some variation of Loki we see in front of us. And he starts, like, going through some Loki variants. Yeah. And there's, like, one that looks like a frost giant. There's one where he appears to be the Tour de France winner of the cycling race. (laughs) Which is completely bizarre. There's, like, kind of like a giant-looking Loki. um, Like a more, like, Asgardian kind of 
like gigantic dude looking Loki. Yeah, looks kinda and then, like, like a kind of fat to me, dude almost. that doesn't really look like Loki. Yeah. Um, but that was super fun to see. Just like a lot, I, the Tour de France winner. I was like, I was like what? what? <laughs> Instead of taking over the the uh, the world, he just takes over the world of cycling. Apparently, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and, but I love it. I love it. So I like how they reference how often this happens. Like he's a he's a prolific time stream fucker upper, <laughs> which I which yeah. I really loved. <laughs> all the, all the mischief in the world and he's doing it all the time um yeah no i love it too it was it was awesome and so they basically they jump back to wisconsin can i reference one thing before the wisconsin scene yeah 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 okay i this was maybe one of my favorite lines in in the series um loki as they're getting ready to go loki says something along the lines of how do you know i'm not going to betray you and Mobius just so fucking cleverly says, how's betraying us going to get you any closer to the timekeepers? And then there's just like a beat where everything just kind of pauses and Loki just goes, an audience with the timekeepers is on the table. And you just fucking see the gears moving. You see what a genius Mobius is to just keep him on the leash. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just like the big, I fucking loved that moment so much. And then Mobius kind of taps him on the chest. He's like, keep that focus. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so fucking good. It's just like another moment where it's the two of them together are gold. Yes, totally. They're Who so good. Thought? They're so good. Um, so basically they jump back to the eighties in Wisconsin at the Renaissance festival. And Loki actually asks him, he's like, why don't you guys just jump back before the variant comes? Um, I don't have the exact text in front of me, but it's basically like, because like this, this variant is causing like a new branch in the timeline. You can't jump before they get there because you have to get to this timeline and then reset it back so that it kind of goes back uh, to where it was before in the sacred timeline and uninterrupted. He refers to it as you have to go there in real time. You have to get there in real time. Absolutely. Um, and so another kind of expositional thing there, which is important, I think, especially when you're talking about time travel, yeah, because all the fanboys and fangirls out there will be like, well, why didn't you just blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, okay, just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, This is the kind of show where I think you have to understand, like some shows can kind of hand wave away time travel-y stuff and it's fine. I don't think this is one of those shows. I think people are going to have to understand what's happening um, exactly. And so because of that, I definitely prefer, I would much rather prefer a little over explanation than a little under explanation, just to really make sure. Like, do you idiots understand what's happening here? Okay, good. Yeah. No, I completely <laughs> agree. Like, it doesn't bother me one bit. I'm like, no, yeah, please sure. explain this all to for me sure. in detail. Yeah. <laughs> Several times, in fact. Um, so everyone kind of goes into the tent where all the Minutemen were killed slash knocked out. I think they were all killed, actually. Um, and they're investigating everything. And, and all the Minutemen are kind of about to leave this tent. And Loki's like, don't leave the tent. And they're like, why not? Um, and he's like, that's what that's what he wants you to do. And he kind of starts, he has some idiom from Asgard. It says, where there are wolf's ears, wolf's teeth are near. And this whole scene, he basically tries manipulating Mobius. And it starts to work a little bit. 
Um, and he's like, he's like, that's exactly what I would want you to do. You know, if you leave this tent, you're dead. And he's like, I can deliver you the variant. Um, he just needs assurances that he'll get time you know, in front of the timekeepers. And you can see like everyone's thinking about it and, and Mobius is thinking about it. And after a couple seconds, <laughs> he realizes that Loki's just trying to manipulate him. And then they just leave. Dude. So goddamn good. I love that moment too, where he just goes, he's lying, just playing games. <laughs> yeah. Um, this like this scene made me have so much respect for Mobius. Oh, he's, he's the best. He's fucking the best. He's probably one of the few characters, if not the only character in the MCU, to not consistently fall for Loki's bullshit. Yeah. And it's so nice to see. It's just because <laughs> that that makes Loki want to try even more, yeah. which is really interesting to watch as we'll see in the next few scenes yes all right so they reset the timeline we see the the time bomb i'm just going to call them yep kind of go off and everything resets back to where it was um and everyone heads back to the tva nothing is really found out about the variant at this point and we kind of go back to a scene that makes me start kind of scratching my head a little bit because we're in ravana renslayer's office she was the judge that was originally kind of sentencing Loki for his crimes, and Mobius is talking to her there. And she basically has a bunch of trophies, I guess you could call them, in her office um, from just various timelines and missions. Um, and Mobius doesn't remember bringing some of the trophies back to her. Um, and he kind of makes a joke. He's like, you must have another analyst on the side that he's unaware of. Um, he even at one point, he puts down a drink and there's a bunch of rings on the table yeah, from, from condensation from his glass, right? And, and so he doesn't put it down on a coaster and she kind of chides him for it. He's like, what? Those rings are already on the table. And she's like, yeah, they're from you. Um, and at this point, I don't know. Like, I find it really strange because we also learn that Mobius has never met the timekeepers mm -hmm. at all. And so that that information plus just like, he seems like he's the only analyst that he's aware of. I just start getting a lot of questions in my head. Like, who is this person? I like I, I kind of agree with with Clay Scarface. Like, there there's something very weird going on with all these people that work in the TVA that supposedly think they were created as part of the TVA. And I know there's some stuff later on in the episode that kind of hints towards this. It just at this point in the episode when I was watching, I was like, are these people like clones? Like, wh like, what are they? There's Because they don't seem like real people in any sense because of how, like, they like everyone's, like, super attached to just their job that they seem created for. And it's just very strange. Interesting. So I interpreted that scene way differently. I'll have to watch it again. I just kind of interpreted it as those two had a particularly strong history and they were much closer than she is with the average analyst. And I took it as just he is kind of used to getting maybe some preferential treatment here and there because they have kind of a flirty long-term relationship. Um, yeah. and, and, and I, I actually didn't like those rings I thought were meant to say, like, he does this all the time. Like they do this all the time. And this is just mm -hmm. one of a, one of a million times this has happened. 
He's always up to something crazy. She's always kind of trying to stop him, but not really. And they're just, uh, they're, yeah, that, that's how I took it. But I think, but I think that, uh, your theory is really interesting, but I, I but yeah, I still, I think there's like some, like, cause I think everything you said is right too. Like there's a history there for sure. Yeah. Um, I just think there's also just like some little hints in there that might lead us to some, maybe some other conclusions too, that maybe they're all red herrings. I just think there's something weird going on there for sure. Um, I do also just want to mention that uh, Ravana is also a love interest of Kang the Conqueror. Mm -hmm. I know we mentioned that last time, but it's worth bringing up again in terms of why it makes sense for him to show up. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're laying it on thick. It's not like the Mephisto trap in, in WandaVision where it kind of would have made sense and been cool. Like this one, it's just like they're setting it up. Yeah. So for sure. Um, while all of this is happening, uh, Loki is in kind of like the records library, I guess you could call it, of the TVA. Um, and he's basically been sent there by Mobius to kind of start figuring out how to hunt this variant. Um, and so he walks up to like, I guess I would just call it like the librarian yeah. or the record keeper. Um, and she's basically not responding to Loki at all until he hits this really old bell, you know, like the bell that people keep on their desks or whatever. Um, Ring for service. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And at first he's like, uh, you know, he's like trying to do small talk, trying to totally manipulate her into liking him. She seems basically like this old lady, like robot that wasn't going to put up with her shit. Um, and he tries to get the files for the creation of the TVA and the creation of all time, <laughs> uh, which got to be an interesting read, but unfortunately both are classified. So he only gets the file on himself, um, which kind of takes us through a sequence that's very similar to when he was in the, the kind of the theater room going through his own history. And he starts reading about the destruction of Asgard again and kind of gets, gets a bit emotional kind of reading through all the details there. Yeah. Um, well, seemingly at this point, he seems to be getting kind, kind of emotional. Um, right. And then... The next scene, though, however, <laughs> yeah, uh, we basically see Mobius in the TVA lunchroom, um, and he's eating a salad, and Loki comes in, and he's all excited. Um, and I really like the scene because I think it ties back to the one you mentioned, Eric, where you know he's like, "Oh, like I can see the timekeepers that's on the table," you know, yeah, like yeah. that that you know that focus is there when when you see him in the scene, and. Loki has this idea, which I find really interesting, that the variant is hiding in apocalypses. Mm -hmm. And Loki brings up, and I think this is what you're hinting at, is that um, he brings up Ragnarok. And he's like, do you know what Ragnarok is? And Mobius is like, yeah, destruction of Asgard and, and its people. Like, I'm so sorry. And Loki <laughs> just is like, yes, very sad. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> And just kind of continues on. It <laughs> yeah. seems like he has no emotional connection to it whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of paraphrase. I have a line written down because I think it's important because they keep bringing up Nexus events. And so Loki is kind of talking to Mobius and he says, Nexus events happen when someone does something they're not supposed to do, which cascades into a whole range of other things that aren't supposed to happen until eventually a new timeline branches. Um 
And so that's like a really important concept to remember with this show. And, and Moby's kind of in, interjects. He said, that's an oversimplification, but essentially, yes. Um, and so this is one of my favorite scenes of this episode. Loki takes Mobius's salad and he's like, no, not the salad. He's like, I want to eat that salad. Like he's like, you can, you can sense like a genuine like frustration and annoyance that he's taking his salad as like an analogy. Um, and Loki basically tells a story that Asgard is the salad and he takes these salt and pepper and he's like, and these are changes to the timeline and they're, they're peppering on top of Asgard before Ragnarok. But <laughs> he goes to grab this can of Josta soda that Mobius is drinking, but it's empty. Turns around and steals some water from from the guy that was in the office with the Infinity Stones last episode. <laughs> and basically dumps all this water on top of the salad. And he's like, so you see the water, it, it, melts the, it melts the salt, which is the apocalypse. So he's basically trying to say that if you fuck around with the timeline, right before an apocalyptic event in which everything is destroyed and everyone dies... Yeah then there should be no variance in the timeline and there shouldn't be a new timeline branch that forms because it all is going to end up destroyed anyways. Um, and I just, I don't know about you, Eric, but I thought this like this whole concept was brilliant. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. It's, it's a perfect way to kind of explain kind of what an unnatural <laughs> genius Loki is, but specifically in genius in a mischievous way like you could only <laughs> you could only think about that if you were like amazing at fucking with people and breaking systems and yeah i i i don't know it's just uh so so well executed i love i love the idea i it, it like it makes sense to me perfectly so right, right exactly yeah it's just such an interesting idea it's, i feel it's so rare and look i'm sure if you go back in history i'm sure there's some time travel story that has had something kind of similar to this but i've never heard of anything similar uh yeah i would have never thought of yeah. it right and that that kind of like lends credence to what you were saying about you know this is like such like a scheming thought yeah like only someone that is like constantly trying to rob banks would think of such a creative way to rob a bank yes, kind of thing. Yes. Um and I just love that. Like I was immediately sold on the concept. I was like, fuck yeah, let's see some let's see some apocalypses and they don't hold out on us at all on this show. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I feel like I hate the dog on Falcon and the Winter Soldier a bit, but it's just like we knew where it was gonna end and it was, we're just kind of waiting for it to happen. And this one is just like, no, like we're going to do this right now. Yeah. yeah. And so we immediately jumped to 79 AD, Pompeii, Italy. And I was like, wow, <laughs> they're just, you know, Mount Vesuvius is about to erupt. And Mobius is doubting Loki. It's just the two of them. And he's like, maybe we could just make some bird sounds, you know, just uh, mess with the timeline and see if that does anything. And Loki's <laughs> like, basically like, fuck that. He runs down. He like lets some animals go free, starts like speaking Italian, and he's like, he's like, I'm from the future. And he just like starts saying all this stuff. I was like, I'm from the t- like the time variance authority and all these things that would totally fuck with the timeline. He, goes, he starts with, I'm here with dark tidings. Yeah, amazing. So it's the whole scene is amazing. And basically, as he's doing this, you know, Mobius is freaking out. And then he looks down at his little device and basically there's zero variance energy detected and there's no branch in the timeline whatsoever as mount vesuvius is literally erupting behind them and he's just shouting at all these people um and it's just like a really great scene because especially at the end 
Loki does, ooh, excuse me, Loki does like kind of his like little like happy shrug, I guess you would call yeah. it, where he's just like, he's so proud of himself for being <laughs> right. Um, which kind of goes back to the last episode. He's like, he's like, one thing I do love is being right. Yeah. And well, he's, he even says that early in the, in the previous scene, I think, cause, uh, it's like, I don't know if I can trust you. And he's like, trust. I love being right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And he's just so smitten with the fact that he was <laughs> right about these apocalypses. And so his theory is correct basically. Yeah. And that's what this whole scene demonstrates. I thought it was really good. Um, and I think this one uses the, uh, what do they call that? The, the way that they filmed the Mandalorian. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but it, yeah, it's basically a giant room that instead of a green screen, it's like, they're actually seeing it's a screen, <laughs> a screen screen. <laughs> what do they call it here? I thought they had it's a like thing the hu- name for it's, it. Yeah. It's some, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that's what, how they filmed I think that's how they filmed this scene. Um, that's a, that's incredible. Which is just, it was just crazy. It's, it looked really good. Um, I feel like all the CGI in, in the show looks really good. And it, it's, yes. I've never really yes. felt like I'm pulled out of it at all. Um, which is super awesome. Um, and it's, it's just really cool seeing, you know, Mount Vesuvius erupts and Loki's just chilling, <laughs> yeah. you know. So love it, love it, love it. Um, the volume—that's what it's called. The volume. Yeah, what a what an epic name. Yeah, it took. I was like, I need to find this, otherwise it's gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> All right, so Loki and Mobius are back at the TVA. Mm. Shocker. Um, and they start researching apocalyptic events that the variant Loki may be using. Um, but there's so many apocalypses that basically happen. Yeah. And so is this the some- scene where? Maybe it was the previous scene where Loki was researching, but it was after Mobius was pretty upset with him at this point, and he goes, "Here's a good trick for you. Pretend your life depends on it." <laughs> and I thought, that yeah, was, oh my gosh, I was like, yeah. dude, Mobius is such a badass. Yeah, there's one point before he talks to Ravana for the first time where, where he's like, um, "Why are you sticking your neck out for me then, or something?" And he's like, "Let me give you two options." He's like, A, I feel bad for you, blah, blah, blah. I see like a scared little kid or like scared little ice runt or something like that. Um, Or two, I just want to find this guy, you know. Yeah, and I'll tell you whatever. Yeah, I'll tell you whatever uh, you need to hear or whatever I think you need to hear. Just like the writing (laughs) is so good. And and the the dialogue specifically, I think is killer. Yes. Um, So... (laughs) basically the two of them are researching apocalyptic events and there's just way too many of them. And as they're talking, um, Loki asks Mobius, he has a magazine that is like a jet ski magazine. (laughs) And we basically learn that Mobius is completely obsessed with jet skis, (laughs) but has never ridden one. Um, And so... (laughs) I can't wait. There has to be a scene in this show where he rides a jet ski. Yeah, for sure. Has to be. They're going to go right before an apocalypse and ride a jet ski for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and you can tell Loki's like, have you ever ridden one? He's like, no. And he's like, you know, I don't think it would be really good for someone to like cause a variance of the timeline just to go, you know, jet skiing, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, <laughs> but he has kind of a great line. He's like, he's like, oh, bad stuff happens all the time. But in the '90s, there was a mixture of of uh, like form form factor and and, and yeah, function probably function. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, boom, the jet ski. And I just I love how he's so obsessed with these jet skis because <laughs> fuck yeah, jet skis. Um, just like a really interesting character moment there that I really loved. And basically, as they're talking about jet skis, he's, he remembers the kablooey gum that was found in France in the last episode. And they go through it. They find the kablooey gum in the in the records. And, and we realize that kablooey was only really made between like the late 2040s and like 2051. So Loki and Mobius are able to then look at all the apocalypses, which happened between those like three years or so. And this scene, man, just depressed the hell out of me. <laughs> because they're like, well, it's not the climate disaster of 2048. And then, like, the swallow goes extinct in, like, <laughs> yeah. 2049, which causes a ecosystem problem. And then they, like, start naming off all these apocalypses. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is all probably going to actually happen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so as they're going through them all, Loki basically is like, I found it. And... They end up finding a gigantic, like, uh, class 10 apocalypse. It's a hurricane that ends up destroying a corporate town in Alabama uh, at a Rock's Cart store. Um, so Rock's Cart is basically probably going to be a subsidiary of the Marvel Comics corporation Roxxon. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is basically just like an evil, super capitalistic organization that kind of owns everything. And so Rock's Cart is basically like a Walmart on steroids, I think. Yes. Yeah, it's, that's certainly what it seemed like to me. And so apparently this is some corporate town owned by Rock's Cart, and this huge hurricane basically destroys the entire town and kills everybody there. And so Loki is like, this is the perfect hideout. You can just keep going back uh, you know, to this Rock's Cart. It has everything you need in the store. It's a perfect place for for me, a variant me, to hide out in. Um, and so I guess I'll pause there, Eric. Just for, I don't know if there's anything you want to say before they end up going to Alabama um, on any of that stuff. Um, now I like the I like the scene where uh, Mobius goes to pitch this to Ravana, and he's trying to get her to like trust Loki. He's like. Look, he just unveiled a huge hole in your security. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but no, let's get yeah, let's get to the next scene. That's uh this is where this fucking whole scene. Oh my god. Yeah, climax right here. Yeah. Get ready for it. Um, all right, so the TVA, a bunch of Minutemen, um, Loki and um Mobius. Uh, they're getting ready to go to Alabama in 2050. Um, Mobius hands Loki like two of his like traditional gigantic ass knives out <laughs> yeah. of just like a locker. And he says, um, just in case. Yeah, <laughs> just in case. And then B- B15, who's like the other, the main leader hunter kind of woman, basically immediately takes him away. Um, it's like, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and so they travel there. You know, obviously a hurricane's going on. Uh, some of the people within... The Rock's Cart building, they think they're like FEMA or something. They're like, how did you even get here? <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing, I don't know if you noticed this, Eric. Some of the Minutemen, like, oddly have, like, absolute zero empathy for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can, it's like, I can kind of see 
where they're coming from. If like if they exist outside of time, then nothing inside the timeline literally matters at all. None of it. Because it's all predestined. So it's right. like, and especially like an account, like this guy's argue, like he kind of shoved one of the one of the people thinking they were FEMA. Mobius goes, Whoa, chill out. Like these people are scared. And this guy goes, Yeah, they should be. They're about to die. And it's and it's like, it's like damn, you're a dude, dick, though. but like you're not wrong. <laughs> it's just like really interesting that like some of the characters are are empathetic to the other people, especially Agent Mobius in particular. Yeah. Um, he has so much empathy for the people that he interacts with on, you know, on these timelines. You see how he interacted with that one girl. One of the Minutemen was just about to like kill her basically in France. Um, or, you know, this situation, you know, when the hurricane's going on, whereas the other ones, it's like they're devoid of any empathy, which I somewhat get, but that at the same time, like, I think they're trying to show us something in doing that for sure. Interesting. I, I don't I don't know if I'm convinced. I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if that moment was more just to show Mobius is a, a particularly good guy rather than to show some of the Minutemen are sketchy. So hot take. Um, Mobius will quickly realize that the TVA is fucked. And I think he'll turn on the TVA for sure. I think that's possible. Um, just on on. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep going though. There's a lot yeah. to talk about here. I have a bit. Don't let me forget to. I have a big theory as to what the TVA is. I don't think it's robots. I think. I it's, don't think uh, so either. Actually, yeah. I have. I have another hot take there based on based on a, a note that's coming up pretty quickly. Okay. Um. So Loki starts going away with Mobius and B15. Which, by the way, I, I think it's weird that all these people are like C20 B15. That's yeah. super sketchy with me. Um. And B15's like, this is my op. If you want to go talk to Ravana and like sort this out, like he's coming with me. Yep. Um, <laughs> Loki's like, he's like, Mobius, Mobius, it's okay. He's like, I know I got to like earn my trust, so I'll do it. And Mobius has a great line. He's like, why is it that the people that you can never trust are always saying, trust me? Yeah. I was like, ain't that <laughs> the fucking truth? Yep. Um, so did, did Loki, you mention just a it's the quickest moment but i love when they step into the store loki uses his magic to dry himself off because they're like oh, yeah. soaking wet and then he just uses his magic to be dry and then uh i think it was b15's like what the hell was that he's like uh just dry myself off <laughs> he's like, i don't want to be having squeaky boots to announce yeah. my presence like everyone else <laughs> but but i i think it's cool it's that was nice and i think kind of necessary to remind you that like when he's in the timeline he has his powers yeah so and i feel like we've learned more about his powers in two episodes of the show than we have in several yeah movies, for sure which is crazy yeah but i love it i'm here for it um so everyone's kind of hunting around for the variant loki and loki and b15 come to like the garden center and they find a guy that is just shopping for plants and B-15 is like, could that be you? And and Loki's like, I don't know. And the guy's like, it's a hurricane sale. They're half off azaleas. <laughs> um, and so B-15 walks up to this dude. And he's just like, like a middle-aged kind of black dude. Like, you know, doesn't look like anyone in particular. Just like a regular guy. And she touches him. And you kind of see that green effect go over her her eyes and face or whatever, 
like we saw in the Renaissance Fair. And immediately she seems to come under the control of the variant or like the variant is speaking and acting through her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say shout out to this actress. I feel like all the actors and actresses coming up in the next couple sequences captured the mannerisms yeah. of Loki very well. Yeah. Um, and so basically, uh, Loki and this B-15 start talking, you know, kind of back and forth. Um, in between that, we kind of bounce back to Mobius and the, the rest of the Minutemen. They find the captive C-20. And this is this is the part that I wanted to talk about. She keeps saying, she says, it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real. And then eventually, I want to go home. And this to me is just immediately thinking everyone at the TVA is someone taken out of their timeline or a variant from a timeline. Mm. And then they're then being used to staff the TVA. I could see that. I I think she remembers her other life. I could definitely see that. Very similar to WandaVision, right? Yeah. That immediately gave me really, really weird vibes. Um, very similar to that show. Just very strange. It's real. It's, I'm not sure what's real. You know, maybe like her past life. Maybe she was dreaming about it. That's just immediately what I thought. Not robots. Not just like made up people. It seemed like these are all people that maybe had a, a different life before or something. Yeah. Who knows? That's super interesting. Um. So we kind of jump back. And I think at this point, B-15 touches like an like another employee his name is randy yep, yep and he's like do you guys need anything blah, blah, blah. and then b15 collapses on the ground unconscious and loki starts talking to this randy guy that supposedly works at rock's car but it's clearly the variant loki um very sinister in in a way that like it's it's they did a good job because it's just like a person imagine just like a walmart employee but you know it's an evil variant yeah loki. yeah Super good. And Loki basically tells the variant that he wants them to be his lieutenant so he can take over and rule the TVA. And the two are very antagonistic with each other for a bit. And after a little bit of time, he's like, after 10 seconds of thinking, I don't want to do that. He's like, I don't want to take over the TVA. I want to destroy it. Um which was super interesting. And I think even just before this, Loki calls the Loki variant Loki. If you can follow that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and the variant goes, oh, don't call me that. And oh, wait, that- wait, before, before that, there is a, when, when the variant was still uh Hunter B 15, uh, Loki goes me, I presume. And she goes, if anyone's anyone, you're me. Which I thought, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're totally fucking with us now. <laughs> like, just so many lines and like hints and like it's like, what is going on? I know. I love um, that confidence too. If anyone's anyone, you're me. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um. And so basically, the variants like, yeah, I don't want to take over the DV- the TVA. I want to destroy it. And as as they're talking. We basically get these kind of cut shots of all of these time bombs, uh, the reset charges that are just kind of strung together 
in between all the aisles of the store. They just keep showing us more and more of them. And you're like, holy fuck. Like, I didn't realize there was that many of these. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically, Loki and the variant Loki end up fighting for a long time. Um, and it kind of switches. The variant switches between a couple other people. There's like another like kind of like southern looking dude. with like a Carhartt vest, big guy that he ends up taking control of. The variant does. And they end up fighting back and forth and kind of talking. Um, but it's it's definitely like a, a very even fight. They just keep kind of... The variant actually kind of is throwing Loki around quite a bit. And he's not keeping up very well. Yeah. Um, Which and, is... And when he starts to get beat a little too hard, then he starts throwing around like the... Why don't you fight me as you? Like this, this yep. don't be a coward. Fight me as you. Yeah, Loki definitely wants the reveal of, you know, <laughs> show me your face for yeah. real. Um, and I think right before we kind of do get the final reveal, we get the last shot of C20 after she says, it's real, it's real, I want to go home. And she says that she gave the variant the location of the timekeepers. Yeah. Which made me think a couple things. One, how does she know that when Mobius hasn't even met them? And two, like, I was of the thought, like, these people don't even exist. So, like, what is this location she gave this variant? There's a lot of questions there. Because to me, I don't think the timekeepers are legit in any way whatsoever. Interesting. Okay, so then I think I think this is a good time to present you with my theory. Yeah, let's hear it, man. So, um, first of all, I think... Mobius knows how to find the timekeepers. I think he deliberately doesn't want to meet them. I, 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 that was the sense I got from, I think he said something along the lines of like, that's great. Like I, I never want to like, like I, I have no interest. It's something like that when he was in Ravana's office. But, um, so here's my theory. Uh, my theory is that the entire TVA city is the inside of a celestial skull or something, or it's very similar to like nowhere. But, um, but I, this one clearly is in much better shape than, than nowhere. Um, and, and I think that the timekeepers and all of the TVA potentially are basically a celestial, it's like a celestial's thoughts being projected into reality. That is, uh, that is, that is my guess. Um, and I wonder if the time, and this is wild speculation, but I wonder if maybe the timekeepers and potentially maybe Mobius and a few others have basically just started realizing this. And I wonder if they're going to try to take advantage of um the celestial to essentially escape uh and per- and particularly kang I-, I wonder if that's kang mm. or or maybe or maybe the timekeepers in general uh are like realizing that they're actually kind of prisoners and um right yeah i definitely am online uh, on board with that idea for sure yeah but um yeah i i, I don't know i just, there's something about the design of the city and then especially is like the Mobius, like no magic here. It's like, well, then what the fuck is it? Because it's so, not. I guess I have a, a similar but slightly different theory on where it is. Okay. Um, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, 
Mm. While in the quantum realm, a place where time acts differently. Mm, true. There is a brief scene where there is a city that is inside of a bubble that is clearly visible. It's not what? like it doesn't just look like a city. It's a city inside the quantum realm. Um, to me, I was like that. That's got to be the TVA. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's good. That's because the good. time thing lines up. Like Ant Man is very related to time. Kang the Conqueror is going to be in the next Ant-Man movie. We saw a city that was never addressed in Ant-Man and the Wasp in the quantum realm where time acts funny. I was like, that to me, like, who knows if it's true? I have no idea. Also, again, wild speculation. But if I had to make a guess, that's where my head's going just because it checks a lot of boxes. No, I like it. I like it. But who knows? Because it's, you know, you're right in that it doesn't look like a planet. Or any other type of normal, yeah. you know, place, right? It's just, all these people are kind of here. They don't seem like they can leave. There's no real space travel going on. It felt kind of self-contained. So I'm looking forward to finding that out because it's it's different than something we've seen before. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially the people inside it. And, you know, Mobius even says, he's like, yeah, we were created. They have a conversation about Loki's like, just when I think... uh you know, you're super intelligent. He kind of ruins it because he's Mobius is like, yeah, I was created by the timekeepers. And Loki just finds that whole idea absurd to which Mobius kind of responds. He's like, he's like, yeah, but it's not really that different from you. He's like, so it's like, where you come from? Asgard, the nine realms, this mystical place, Asgard, you're born from Odin. You know, it's like, it's like, if anyone thinks too much about where we came from, you'll go crazy. And I think that's a pretty relevant point on Mobius's end, but I think there is something a little bit more nefarious going on with their origin as opposed to Loki's, for example. But yeah. I loved that conversation. I, I missed it in my notes earlier. Um, really interesting, especially the line of, if you think too hard about where we, came, where we come from, you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think this is where the shit hits the fan, yes, folks. definitely. Um, variant Loki reveals herself. Um, da, da, da. And we see the hood come off and we see uh, a young, <sighs> a young, you know, I don't know, like 30s aged woman. Yeah. Blonde hair has kind of a like a... Uh, what would you call that? Like a headband with uh, like small little Loki looking horns. Yeah, on it's it, like a, it's a crown. It's, a, it's basically yes, a crown. yes. Thank you. That's yeah. yeah. That's the word I was. Looking it, for. And it looks fucking so gnarly. It looks. I dude. I thought the whole character look for her character was like fucking perfect. I thought she looked right. Gnarly. Yeah, she looked great, and you could tell Loki was super confused as seeing her, and and she basically just says, "This isn't about you." After they talk a bit, and. Yeah, because Loki said our Loki says like, "What do you want from me?" or something. It's like right. clearly nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. She basically says, you know, she 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 makes some comment about how you know it's like, yeah, he likes to talk, and he was a good good uh, kind of distraction, you know, in order yeah. to let time go by a little bit um, as they were fighting and everything. And so she answers, "This isn't about you," and basically sets a series of time bombs off. <laughs> yeah, and I'm talking about like dozens of time bombs yeah um it, it, and so we yeah we quickly see you know, like the little doors that the tva uses to go through time we see all these little doors open up and time bombs 
left and right just start dropping everywhere. And so the thought process in my head, I was like, this variant female Loki lady, uh, which first of all, I was like, why does she have blonde hair? That was my first thought, if I'm being honest. So why does she have blonde hair? Yeah, well, there's um, a reason that I will explain to you. Yes, same, same. <laughs> Yeah, that I'm sure you already know. Um, <laughs> basically, this variant Loki is bombing the timeline to almost create a multiverse of madness. Yeah, one one would assume. So I have a list here uh-huh. of every single location. We see locations of where all these bombs are going off. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read it. Yeah. Because um, there's dates and there's places. So some of them are a lot more interesting than others. We got 1522 Vietnam, 1492 Portugal, which I think that one would be Christopher Columbus. Uh, 1492 oh, ship sails the ocean okay. blue. Um, 2301 Vormir, the planet where the soul stone's at in the future. Ooh. Um, Thornton, USA, 1551. Thornton. Um, so I don't know where that's at. I think it's a, not even a real city, but Thornton. Um, very oh, interesting. Oh, 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 shit. Okay. 1999 Cookville, USA. Um, not really sure. You know, it's like a city in Tennessee. Um, not sure the relevance there. Asgard, 2004. Mm. So that's before the events of the first Thor movie. So who knows what happens there? 1390 Rome, Italy. Um, I think there was something that happened there. I can't remember what was going on in Rome at that time, but we'll see. Um, 1984, Sakaar. The planet that was featured in Thor Ragnarok where Hulk and Thor were kept captive. Maybe that was when the Grandmaster first showed up. Who knows? Um, 1808, Barachara. I don't know where that's at. There's 1708, Finland. 1382, Ego. The planet Ego. Oh, shit. So that was a long time ago. Maybe that's when Ego first became a planet. Who knows? Uh, you know, it's like 800 years prior to the events of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. 1982, Titan. Whoa. The planet, home planet of Thanos. Um, maybe that was before everyone died and this planet kind of died. Who knows? 1947, New York City, USA. Uh, 1984, Tokyo, Japan. Um. Year 51 in Hala, the planet that Captain Marvel and the Kree homeworld. Mm. 1999, Kingsport, USA. 1001, Xandar. Okay. The planet of the... The uh, Novacor. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Novacor? Novacor, yes, yep. thank you. Um, 2005, Beijing, China. 1903 Madrid, Spain. And then there's one last one that's in 1887, but you can't tell what the city is. So, I mean, just between Xandar, Hala, Titan, Ego, Sakar, Asgard, you know, Vormir, like every single big planet we basically visited in the MCU is on here, as well as just some other important dates, you know, within like world and, you know, world geopolitical history. 
Um, so we have no idea what all these time bombs are going to do, resetting time at that point um, and what the end game is here. Um, but basically, we see all these time bombs go off. The TVA starts going crazy because there's <laughs> branches forming all over the place. Basically, the entire sacred timeline has been bombed. Um, I love and- there's like a 10 second scene of when the shit's going down in the TVA. Ravana stands up and grabs either like a like a baton or like a sword off the wall, and I feel like that's when you know like shit's shit's about to go crazy. When when oh Ravana Renslayer yeah. has to not be a judge anymore and has to get into the shit. I'm so excited for this next episode. Yeah, it's, I feel like she's about crazy. to beat some ass. I hope. Oh she my does. gosh. Um, and after all these bombs go off, we basically see the variant Loki leave. And then as Mobius and the other Minutemen, they're like, Loki, Loki, Loki. And then Loki follows right behind the variant Loki and leaves leaves with her. Yeah, and that's through, the through end. a door. It just yeah. ends right there. Yes. So prior to them leaving, the, the last scene is kind of just bathed in this red light. And... Oh, it looks so good. Dude, and Loki, like our Loki, is just kind of standing there very like... Not really hunched over, but just like he's just processing what he's seeing, and it's just like the the shot starts close on him and just zooms out, and you just see I don't know, man. He just looks like menacing, kind of in that red light, and then it shows um, Lady Loki again bathed in the red light, and she just looks fuck. I I don't think there's ever been an introduction of a villain. That so immediately was like, this person is not to be fucked with in any way whatsoever at all. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Because then, so this was the whole, this was like the culmination of my obsession with the music. It's just this crazy, like, Asgardian Celtic, I assume it's the Lady Loki theme, or, spoiler alert, it's the Enchantress theme. Um, Heyo. Heyo. Yeah, there's, there's the big spoiler alert. Uh... I assume that's just her theme now, but like maybe I, if it is, then let's hear more of it. Cause that music, dude, the music was fucking unbelievable. Crazy. If that truly is like Enchantress's theme, she, in my opinion, has the best theme in the MCU for sure. That is even, even the music that came on right when the credits started, yeah! the whole episode was yeah! fucking bonkers at, uh, from a music perspective. Yeah, they went. Yeah, it's like I know the meme is like they did not have to go that hard, but they truly did not have to go that hard. It was uh, so fucking good. Just that last scene with like the red and just the music like it sounded it sounded so Celtic, but I assume it was like, you know, as guardian. But like to me, it sounded Celtic and it just was huge and just fucking epic. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely taking influences from that for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, blending kind of those different cultural things together to kind of create what we would consider Asgardian music to yeah. probably be. So I think you're right on the Celtic good. angle. So goddamn good. But so, yeah, it, it, it's Enchantress. Spoiler alert. So let me, let me walk <laughs> through this whole character thing. Yeah. So this variant appears... And everyone was like, why is she blonde? Why is this low-key variant blonde? Which was a very valid thought, right? Um, And Disney kind of fucked things up a little bit. Because when you go to the credits of this episode, when it first aired, it's it's since then changed. 
Oh, um, I have not heard in, of this. In the normal credits, it said the variant and that actress's name. Yep. Then it would start going through, as all Disney Plus series go through, the different language credits. So after the normal credits, mm. there's like Spanish, Italian, all these different things. Um, in the credits for the Spanish voice dubbing, once you wait through, I think, another language before that, it attributes Elisa Buter, who is the actress, as Sylvie rather than the variant. Mm-hmm. And it was since since the first day of it airing has been removed. So if you're a super nerd, even beyond, you know, me at this point, because I had to do some research here, even though I've read about this character a little bit, there is the Thor character of Enchantress that everyone knows. And Enchantress's name is Amora. But there's another version of the Enchantress whose name is Sylvie Lushton. And she models herself after the original Enchantress that is kind of a villain to Thor. And she ends up being revealed to be an adolescent girl who has been given powers by Loki so that he could use her in his own schemes. Um, She truly believes she's Asgardian and that has been exiled from Asgard and sent to live in in New York, basically. Um, And so basically, you know, she lived in Oklahoma, had a relatively normal life um, until Asgard appeared over the town of Broxton, Oklahoma, which it does in the comics. Um, And she kind of wakes up with those magical powers and then Thor uses her for his own schemes. And so a lot of people are then saying, okay, this is 100% Enchantress. She has blonde hair. She has powers very similar to Loki in that an older, different variant of Loki or does some sort of different variant of Loki gave her powers similar to how the Loki gave her powers in the comics? It, yeah, I mean, that all makes sense to me. But I think there's even a more obvious uh, factor for why it's Enchantress, because quite literally, like one of the very first things our Loki says when meeting this character is, oh, Enchantment's a clever trick. <laughs> Oh so my gosh, like, I didn't even realize that. So it's like, oh yeah, he fucking you don't say. It's because it's the Enchantress. Boom. <laughs> so that seems like they're not really... Uh, 100%. That's, I mean, that, yeah. there's no doubt in my to mind. To me, that confirms it. In- yeah. No, good good catch there, my friend. Good catch. Oh. Um, but it's super interesting. Really good twist. I, I'm really glad that they have that character. And I, I like kind of that backstory. I really hope that maybe a, a variant low-key kind of gave her these powers too would be really interesting because I'm sure we'll see some more variant Lokis throughout this show. Oh yeah. I I would be shocked if we did not. Um, But yeah, I am a huge, I mean, I I don't know anything about this actress, but she, I mean, could not possibly look the part any more perfectly. What very little we've seen of her performance so far was dead on. I mean, just like, truly uh terrifying and then uh yeah that yeah oh yeah she has like that energy right yeah it's just like she's scary as fuck yeah and we just met her yeah and jesus fucking christ that theme song if that is indeed her her theme or maybe it's just a general loki show theme but whatever it was bring that shit back because that was so such an epic uh, so 
I guess my question for you, Eric, is did you really expect the timeline to get this fucked this early? No. No, I was I was um like th- just that plan when I realized what was happening and like what her plan was like yeah, I just had to like take a second and think. I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Like, she's just fucking up the whole timeline. And so, all right, so let me ask you this. Cause I this is a little unclear, I feel. There's the sacred timeline that the timekeepers and the TVA prune and make sure everything about that is perfect. Is that the only timeline that currently exists or are there other timelines that do their own thing, but they're not the sacred timeline. So who cares? They can do whatever they have their own shit going on. It seems to me like the TVA is trying to just keep one timeline and keep everything else aware away from it. Right. Um, And so kind of going back to I think Loki trying to get the explanation from Miss Minutes and Mobius is if they don't prune the timeline and they let, you know, a variance uh, or a variant kind of, you know, like let a branch go too far, right? then it, it, the branch kind of forms and, and they're not able to stop it. And so that would be when another timeline would form. And so from what the TVA seems to be saying, my understanding is that there's only one and they're trying to keep only one. But I think that's bullshit. Right. And there's some manipulation going on where or maybe this timeline is being kept from every other timeline because mm. there should be a multiverse of timelines, like infinite timelines. Right. Or at least a vast, a vast amount of timelines. And so that's why I think there's something else going on here because it seems like the timekeepers, whoever they are, are trying to just keep one timeline completely secluded from everything else and not allow for any variance whatsoever. So then I wonder if they'll explain this or if this is just a weird plot hole. If that is true, and this is just the one, the one true timeline, the only timeline currently, then how the fuck are we getting such drastically different Lokis. Because if it's the same timeline, then Loki was always born as a frost giant and he and 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 he was and he always becomes an Asgardian. And for him to become these different like mutations of himself, like the Tour de France winner, the TVA would not have allowed that to go on long enough for that entire change to happen. So the implication would be that no, there's just a timeline with a Hulk looking Thor Loki, and that Hulk looking Loki Ooh, did something. See. Do you so see like what I'm saying? So they would be jumping to like the other timeline or somehow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Because like, how could you have a whole Loki like go through all the stuff to just become? You know, I don't know. They have such vast, different-looking appearances right, and things. Right. Um, I'm I'm wondering if we'll probably get some more clarity on that in later episodes. But that's yeah. a very valid question, I think. Yeah, I think I think we probably will as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I guess maybe 
when I was thinking about this show and how a lot of shows are made, I'm like, this is us all going to lead up to like the multiverse kind of exploding and the sacred timeline being kind of destroyed in some way. And then that leads to a multiverse of madness. And so it was really nice that it didn't follow the path that I thought it would. <laughs> all right. Here's a question for you. Do you think that Marvel is going to treat timelines and universes separately? So for instance, Sure, there's a sacred timeline in our universe, but there's also infinite universes that also potentially could have infinite timelines within them. Do you think it's going to be that crazy? Because to me, a timeline is not the same as a multiverse at all. Yeah, that's a good question. There's like, there's so many possibilities (laughs) how to handle it. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, I kind of view timelines and multiverses very similarly, mm-hmm. if not synonymous. Okay. Because um, I get, I don't know. It's it's like, because I guess there is, like, some time travel that is allowed, right? And so, with the Avengers, though, like, basically, you know, Steve went back to kind of almost erase the timelines that were then formed in some ways. Uh, you know, just replacing the stones so that, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It gets really fucking confusing. Yeah. It's already confusing my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I really like how they've handled time travel in the MCU so far. So I have faith yeah. in, how, in how they'll handle it now. But it, like, you're right. It, it opens up this huge, like, <laughs> basket of just crazy fucking shit. Yeah. Um, and, and problems and questions. And um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Oh my gosh, we're not even halfway done with this series. I know! It's insane! It's two, two episodes, episodes in! Insane. My gosh. Oh, so um, good. Alright, let's jump over. Let's rate this this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, I will let you go first. As we do on the Infinity Watch podcast, I'm getting lazier. <laughs> um, as we do on the Infinity Watch podcast, we rate our episodes, shows, etc. out of six whole Infinity Stones, even if they're paperweights. Um, <laughs> Eric, what are you rating this episode out of six whole Infinity Stones? Look, I put a lot of thought into this. This has got to be a six out of six for me. Um, it just was too good. Uh, the only thing I think that could have made it better would be things that were that are like super unrealistic. So, like, at, meaning like insane cameos or something, which you can't bet on. I feel like. I can't reserve six out of sixes just for insane cameos. Right. Um, yeah. As a as a self-contained episode of this show, holy shit, this was so good. I can't imagine wanting anything more than this. The introduction of Enchantress uh was maybe perfect. Like, I don't know if I like an introduction of a villain more. Uh just blew my mind the the cleverness of the entire idea of like like you said like hiding in apocalypses was insane enough and then it's like a second insane idea let's just bomb a timeline like what the fuck is this show it's just it's doing things that i have certainly never experienced storylines like this in sci-fi and I consume a fair amount of sci-fi. And again, maybe 
these are uh, maybe this is like a tried and true sci-fi storyline but to me i have never heard of a storyline quite like this um and it's just super engaging for me this is exactly what i wanted from the marvel shows uh so yeah this is a six out of six episode for me for sure Man, we are just lock and step because I am a solid six out of six too <laughs> yeah. on this episode. I, you know, it just I'm on the same I'm on the same thing with you. It's like what what else could I have wanted here? If the rest of the episodes were as satisfying as this one, I would be so happy yeah. with this show. Yeah, right. Not that I want the same thing every episode, but like just the quality of this episode was amazing. Twists and turns I would have never expected. Um, just really thought out stuff. The the talk, you know, the talks between Mobius and Loki, perfect. The you know introduction of Enchantress, perfect. The music, unbelievable. Yeah, unreal. You know, just like seeing Pompeii. You know, seeing this hurricane going through. It's all these events were so cool. It just like I I watched this episode three times this week. Which, I watched like, it twice. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, like you watch it twice. That's insane. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, you don't do that. Yeah, and it's just like for you know, and you know, it's kind of like if I was watching Iron Man, I'm like, oh, I wish all the Avengers showed up. Like, I can't wish for that. Like right. this episode completely satisfied me, and I hope that the episodes keep keep bringing the you know <laughs> keep bringing whatever this episode was bringing yeah. because it was fucking great to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and. Uh, Maybe most importantly, it got me. I am at astronomical levels of hype for the next episode. Oh yeah, like, it doesn't even make sense. It'll only disappoint. Yeah, yeah, it might. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it might. you know. But <laughs> it's just this was so good, so yeah. good. Yes, um, it was. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't, I don't know how they're gonna ever. You know, you can't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to say because it's just next episode. I'm, I feel sorry for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so got a good. lot to live up to. All righty. Um, let's jump over to recommendations. Um, I'll start off first. I'm going to kind of go with my, my one from earlier. We got hot ones episode with Elizabeth Olsen. Highly recommend checking that out. Um, also comics reading. Um, I recommend checking out. It's called Loki journey into mystery uh, by Gillen. Um, very good Loki story. If you like Loki, I want to just jump into some Asgardian fuckery. Loki Journey into Mystery. You can get it on Amazon. Check it out. Really good stuff. Um, if you want to learn more about Loki in the comics. What do you got for us good this week? Well, I am. So this is a book I started reading a while ago and then I kind of fell off of it. And then I, I finally finished it. But it is the first book in the Star Wars High Republic series. Uh called light of the jedi so this is basically the first book kicking off an entire new era of star wars stories uh that take place um i think like six to eight hundred years before the original trilogy so it's meant to be like the height of the republic like the best it ever was everything's going great um the jedi are fucking all over the place not a sith in sight they're fucking all over the They're place. They're fucking all over the place. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. And and Jedi go down on their partners. You just remember that. Okay, DC. That's what uh, heroes do. That's what heroes do. Um and uh, That kind of sounded like Stan Lee at the end. Of it. 
I mean, listen here, true believers. That's what heroes do. Exactly. Exactly. Stan Lee would not have stood for that kind of fuckery. Um, he would have gotten on his knees for it, though. <laughs> Sorry, Stan Lee. Keep going here. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's not the best Star Wars book I've ever read. But, I mean, I've I've read a fair amount. So, it's like... It I was about to say, I'm not sure if that really means anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it's like, it, it is taking me some getting used to... The villains are more a group of basically like space marauders and they do have unique, interesting technology that gives them an edge. And they do have kind of an interesting like leadership system that is, that is yet to be revealed what it's all about, but, but it is a little, I did want kind of some of more of that Jedi versus Sith, just light side versus dark side straight up that you don't get just because at this point in the storyline, like there are no Sith that we know of. Um, but it was still, but it was still super good. And I think it's going to be, think they're going to show up though. Like they got to show up. Right. I think I, I'm not sure if this is confirmed, but I think the show, um, the acolyte, which has been confirmed for Disney plus, um, cl- I mean, acolyte is only ever used for the Sith. It's a Sith acolyte. And I, uh, my theory I'm not sure if it is uh, proven, but that show is going to take place during the High Republic era. I I would bet almost anything. Um, so I so I do think they'll they'll show up, but I do think this is going to be uh, important reading if you care about. I mean, Disney's going so hard in this High Republic. There's novels, there's TV shows, there's comic books. I'm sure there will be video games. Like this is the new era of Star Wars. Skywalker shit is out. Uh, this is this is the new hotness. Assuming it catches on. I mean, maybe they cancel it in two years if nobody likes it. But uh, as of now, this is what it is. So yeah, so I'm uh, I'm gonna recommend that. It definitely was good. I would give it four out of six Infinity Stones on our scale. Um, Sounds like a, a good read then. In my book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I uh, definitely a good read. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's my recommendation. Alrighty. Um, what was the final title? Just one more time for that one. That is uh, so Star Wars: The High Republic. Light of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. Yeah. Sounds good, my friend. Yeah. Sounds good. Alrighty. If you want to reach out to us, um, we love talking about what people are talking about. So Twitter at Infinity Rewatch. Or you can shoot us an email, which I actually got an email this week that I thought was really funny. Um, the Infinity Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Um <laughs> I need to find this one. It was a spam email that I want to I want to read here. Infinity Watch Podcast. Okay, it's from Carlos. Carlos sent me an email. He said, "Hello. How's it going? Hope all is well. The Infinity Watch is ranking very well in Croatia." Whoa, okay. So shout out to all of our Croatian friends. Yeah. We are in position 9 in the category TV and film in Croatia. Um, I'm not familiar with position nine, uh, just position 69, but, um, apparently that's the position we're in. Um, we have had the infinity watch has good performances in Apple podcast rankings in the last 30 days. And so he's not trying to sell me anything. 
he just wanted me to know that he has some I have some cool information that might interest you. And uh said happy podcasting from Carlos. So I I don't know what that's all about but th- thanks. I mean, I guess could there be any truth to this? I I mean, maybe. I mean, I check the analytics from time to time and I'm like, yeah, it looks good. But uh, yeah, I've never looked at Croatia specifically. So hold on, I'm I'm you know. I'm looking it up. So, okay, so believe it or not, last week we were top at least top fifty in TV and film Apple Podcasts in Croatia. Well, there you go, boom. That's fucking wild. Shout out to Croatia. Everyone in Croatia is like these fucking guys, just hilarious. <laughs> I love it. That's in so Croatian nuts. style. We're still in the top 100. We're we are 71st. We Very are number 71. That even happened in Croatian Croatia. Apple Podcast. Shout out to you, Croatia. That's Does that just mean best. that one person listened to our podcast in Croatia? I don't know. Well, so what's insane is the Weekly Planet is 22nd. Hmm. So like. We're up there. We're playing with the big boys. Shout out to the there Weekly we Planet. Love the Weekly Planet. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks, Croatia. Yeah. Once again. Shout out to you. <laughs> at Infinity Rewatch on Twitter and the Infinity Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Eric, do you think Miss Minutes likes billionaires? If there's one thing I know, it's that Miss Minutes supports oh boy oral reciprocity and fucking the billionaires <laughs> wow i want to get that on a shirt marvel help me out oral reciprocity and fucking billionaires i love oh, it oh man yeah but fuck the billionaires though fuck them yep. <laughs>